0: Shachtan, an Indo, askeilige.
1: Lord and once here in the Donaldson Lish and if I got you near Lord Jeffrey the the dinner be.
0: Me hag willin policy shachtan. Ian what a yana un a vira listad the cur Lish badge budge bugashuit.
1: Guilty. This. Turn me. Nimujigiri in drama chunyal ama. Tamujigiri munchen chunyalista. Shachtan, find us on all the usual podcast platforms. In this week's Big Tech Show, we talk to the Dublin startup that wants to help big companies stop making stupid, embarrassing mistakes with their AI, such as telling people to eat rocks as part of a healthy diet. Basic definition of hallucination is stating something very confidently, but in fact, it's factually incorrect. This AI technology is very good at stating something very confident, mimicking human-level confidence, but then they could be factually incorrect. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. The stories of Connor, Dara and Carla McGinley have given every parent in this country moment for pause over the past week. Killed by their mother, Deirdre Morley, who a jury has ruled was not guilty of murder by reason of insanity. That's a verdict the children's father agrees with, but when I sat down with Andrew McGinley to reflect on where he finds himself now, he tells of the many unanswered questions and a lack of
0: communication from health chiefs. Patient confidentiality, they haven't even spoken to the patient. So um, at, this, at this stage, uh, um, Dee is sharing everything with us as a family. So if they speak to us, then I would have that information.
1: Andrew wants changes to the Mental Health Act so that patients automatically have an advocate or family member who's aware of their condition and the potential risks that might come with it.
0: What I want is no more people to die, no more children to die. You don't want to find the bodies of your children. You don't want to have to identify them. You don't want to have to stand at their grave on Christmas morning.
1: Andrew is acutely aware of the interest in his story, and despite his own grief, sees an opportunity to honour the children.
0: Uh, People tell me that I visibly lift when I start talking about these projects. So they are what gets me out of bed in the morning. They are what helps me put one foot in front of the other.
1: I'm Kevin Doyle and you're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. Andrew, can I just start by asking, how are you? Because you have been somewhat omnipresent, I suppose, over the last few days. You've done a lot of interviews, you've written pieces for newspapers, and I suppose you've had a very private grief and tragedy um, that's hit you and your family but it's become very public and that must be tough too
0: uh, thanks for asking I'm I, I'm am alright I'm probably truly getting my strength from the kids uh, to drive on the information that other people would have only found out this week I've, I've known about I suppose for the last uh, I think it was Easter 2000, 2020 when uh, um, the, the graphic details of what happened um, were explained to me so I, I've carried that for this time and I'm my hope was that the that information wouldn't come out in uh, in court but unfortunately it did i'm sorry for people who who had to actually listen to that it is is it, i suppose it is is what had happened and it contributed to the uh, the plea of not guilty by reason of insanity i suppose i've had longer to think about and to to ponder through everything and uh, for me people do want to understand and there is a message behind why I'm sitting here opposite you and uh, that message is that we we need to have a look at the, the, the Mental Health Act and how we approach mental health because if we don't make changes then you may be sitting across the table from somebody else who will have unfortunately suffered uh, similar circumstances.
1: You uh, made the point to me a little earlier that uh, one which I don't really like but it's true that today's newspapers are tomorrow's chip wrappings and so you see A small window of opportunity, I suppose, where the light, the the limelight is on you and you want to use that full in the knowledge that at some stage there, I say, the media circus will move on. You want to use this opportunity.
0: As I was coming into you today, as I was driving in, I had uh, uh, what is now a regular conversation with Una Butler. And Una Butler experienced the, the, um, the, the passing of her daughters Zoe and Ella back in 2010. And she campaigned long and hard at the time to have changes made to the Mental Health Act and nobody listened to her. No changes were made. Her experience didn't seem to count for anything. Had changes been made back after the events, uh, the tragic events surrounding her family after 2010, then I will tell you with certainty now that had those changes been made, that Connor, Carla and Dara would be alive today. So if it now takes my voice and Una's voice, and other people have experienced such horror in their life with a background of mental health, then I feel that we do need to be listened to before more children die. I, I hope to be the last person ever interviewed about this. I That's my hope. And that's the message behind this is unless changes are made, then more children may die.
1: And what about the public reaction that you've had? Obviously, the, the trial was, as you say, very graphic, um, I suppose. A lot of people, and this is the nature of it, reach their own conclusions on the back of that. Social media can be a cruel place, but you've had a, a lot of uh, positive reaction, I think, to to some of the things that you've had to say.
0: Um, very largely positive. I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of what I've had personally through to me has been positive. As you're aware, um, uh, one of the promises I'd made to to the kids was one to Connor, and um, he wanted a YouTube channel, and so we we set up Connor's Clips on YouTube, and we support that on social media. And just everybody who, who reaches out through the Connors Clips uh, social media has just been fantastic. Um, I have to say, I am aware of commentary largely uh, directed in, in uh, D's direction. And it seems to be mainly on Facebook and just some horrific, uh, appalling comments. I understand people can have their own opinions, but I think they need to educate themselves and have a better understanding before they type. And I do think that f- the likes of Facebook can do a whole lot more um, in ensuring that their, um, the forums that they that they host are a far safer and and uh, I suppose more rounded uh, place.
1: We're going to talk about the Mental Health Act and I suppose some of the story that, that brought you here today. But I suppose a lot of people would think that you're very generous to Dee given the evidence that was heard. And I suppose the difficulty, the way your life has been turned upside down, that where do you find that, I suppose, Is forgiveness, is that the wrong word?
0: Uh, It would be. um, I I just, I recognise it as an act of insanity.
1: So we talk the public reaction being largely positive. Um, The government have, there's been, I suppose, some mutterings as much as anything in recent days about changes to the Mental Health Act. But have you heard from anybody either in government um, since the the verdict came in or anybody in the health services?
0: With regards to the um, government... Um, my own TDs, um, Emer Higgins and Oona Brunn have been uh, have been very good. I I have seen I think a comment attributed to Mary Butler in the press I think yesterday, um, talking about um, legislation uh, being presented to the Aractus. Uh, my understanding of that is that it's based on information uh, compiled through a a working group from possibly 2014, 2015 or so. I, I, I'll gladly stand corrected if that is incorrect. Um, but that information is now would be clearly out of date. I do think you learn from experience and nobody has had a more horrific experience than myself and, and, and Una. Um, so unless we're going to be sort of engaged with and included in conversations around the Mental Health Act, then i i don't have any great faith that anything different is going to come out of it um and it may not be worth the paper that it's written on and that would be desperately sad you learn from experience and if my experience can lead to a a a better service to mental health patients then uh, that has to be that has to be the end uh, the end game the
1: the key thing you want really though is that.
0: I'll, t- I'll interrupt you there and say that what I want is no more people to die no more children to die quite simply I want mental health patients to get the best uh, care and attention that they can get and that can only don- be done by an inclusive approach involving I mean, Myself and Dee had a massive massive support circle family and friends everybody was there for us but we were just unaware and we know that Dee I suppose, given her mental health, did not want to share all the facts with us. So as it came out in the trial, whilst we thought she was improving, she was actually in decline.
1: And this is the point. This is what you'd like to change in the Mental Health Act is that family or somebody close to, to a person who is getting help from the mental health services is aware of what is going on. And, yeah, you know,
0: yeah. I would agree. The, the, the only contact I've had is from uh, the teams currently uh, treating D in the Central Mental Hospital. Uh, they reached out to me um, and I had a number of calls and uh, meetings uh, with them. This is a, a, a key point because I, I, I'm a quite logical person and I, I approach everything, I suppose, with a huge dollop of common sense. I'm not a mental health professional. I do not have a qualification. I don't have all the letters after my name. But what I'd have is my logic and my common sense. So if I apply that to mental health, I think mental health is an illness of the mind. And your mind manages your thought process. It develops your responses and it formulates, you know, all your decisions. And if that mind is ill, then all those functions may possibly or probably be impacted. Adding that common sense and logic, you would think that any response or thought or decision made by a patient with a mental health illness, they could be compromised or they could be impacted by their their illness. If I reflect back on the trial, a huge decision was put on these shoulders just after Christmas 2019 and early 2020, literally two or three weeks before the children died, that wasn't shared with us as the family. And bear in mind, at this stage, we think Dee is improving, whereas those treating her knew she was in decline. Gave her this decision to make. I think we, we, we've we seen what happened. Connor, Darren, Carla were were dead literally weeks later. That is deeply, deeply troubling to me. I sat in at the trial on Wednesday, the 19th of May. The medical expert, Brenda Wright, was given her evidence. And as she went through every single appointment that Dee attended, I actually, I, I, I went into a daze. And I had, I had a feeling in my stomach that I actually thought I was going to, to, to throw up. Every single meeting seemed to have Dee expressing concerns about her parenting, worrying about the children, and feeling overwhelmed about being a parent. Every single meeting that Brenda Wright was talking about. I lost count of how many, but I I sit here now and I wonder, where was the trigger? Should the trigger not be the first time that a patient expresses concern about, I suppose, the welfare of the children in their care? Is that not enough of a trigger to involve the other parent? You might think maybe one mention, two mentions. I, I, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm sick to the pit of my stomach that I was not contacted after those mentions. And as I say, I lost count We're we're hopefully going to have the, the full me- medical record shortly so that I will be able to count through them. But I just went into a daze, the amount of mentions they knew, the professional services knew that Dee had expressed her own concerns about her capabilities as a parent. And that was not shared with us. I sit here now as the as the heartbroken and grieving father of Connor Darren Carl.
1: And has anybody ever explained to you why you were never told? Why you were never given any of this information or the opportunity perhaps to intervene?
0: I've seen um I, I, I haven't seen an official HSE response. I've seen mention in, in, in some of the papers uh, in relation to a HSE statement, I think it was re- released after my own statement, something in, along the lines of patient confidentiality. Deirdre was the patient and they haven't reached out to her either.
1: So she, no one's contacted her to go back over all of this or to, to talk through what her understanding of what happened in her treatment is, no?
0: My understanding is the, the only people who have sat down and gone through her records in detail with her are her current treating team and the two medical experts who needed to prepare for the trial.
1: And I have that HSE statement, uh, which was released to the media after the trial. And to summarise it, they quote uh, GDPR as, as a reason for not being able to, to say much about this. They talk about patient confidentiality. It, it says, if Mr McGinley would like to speak to a member of our mental health services, the HSE would be happy to arrange this. So it seems like they want you to reach out to them rather than somebody come to you, even though your your story has been out there. And it also says within it that in the event of a serious incident, the HSE responds as part of a coordinated interagency response team. Depending on the nature of the incident, this can involve other relevant organisations, such as the Guardi, TUSLA, etc.
0: Well, uh, uh, patient confidentiality, they haven't even spoken to the patient. So... Um, at this at this stage, uh, um, D is sharing everything with us as a family. So if they speak to us, then I would have that information. So that would be fantastic. I'm delighted to hear that they're they're willing to uh, uh, to go in and speak to D because then that wouldn't be breaking uh, patient confidentiality. So that's a that's a huge positive, and I look forward to hearing Dee telling us when that meeting is taken place. So uh, you mentioned, I think, about a serious incident. Um, so and a what was the term again? An interagency...
1: Interagency response team.
0: Brilliant. So uh, again, that sounds very positive. I, I, in my opinion, the death of three children in the, uh, at the hands of a parent who is in their care, um, I, I would imagine that that would be defined as a serious incident. So I'll, I'll welcome to see the response of the uh, interagency response team. Um, they didn't say who they actually share that with or? No. Okay. Um, well, hopefully they'll they'll be able to issue that response either to to D or, or or to myself. Um, well, that's 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 very positive from the HSE. So like I think, you're yeah.
1: saying very positive, but I I get a deep drip of cynicism off it. I I,
0: I can't. It's, it's Kevin. I don't know where where you're you're getting that from. And certainly, my address has been out on the uh, widely known to to everybody since I made an appeal for letters and. Whilst I'm here, thank you to the the readers of The uh, the Independent. Uh, a lot of them uh, wrote to me uh, at the time. But uh, uh, I think people would know where to, to to find me if they did want to meet me. It would be, I suppose, helpful if they supplied a, a point of contact and an address for me to write to.
1: I suppose that there are so many unanswered questions and that's really where you have two tracks now and we'll talk a moment about how you want to remember the children and all the, the the activities you've planned in that space but on the medical side I suppose is it that you need to have the unanswered questions you need some sort of relief there to understand how this happened and then you need the legislative process to take that up learn from it and put in place this I suppose advocacy rules of some description is that is that basically your, your, your journey now?
0: I'll answer the latter part first because it's too late for me. But I don't want any anyone else to have to go through what I've gone through. Believe you me, you don't want to. Um, you don't want to find the bodies of your children. You don't want to have to identify them. You don't want to have to stand at their grave on Christmas morning. So if the act can change, if the way the patients are treated can prevent that ever happening again, then my work here will be done that will be fantastic um in relation to the questions that i do have we we do see throughout these care uh, a number of instances where ah, we 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 see i suppose flags raised and and questions that we need answered i will never recover i will never i will never heal but having the answers and knowing that patients going forward will be provided for the families of patients will be provided for better and the patients will get better care but it's only going to get done with an inclusive approach with the loved ones it's the only way to deal with this and there's still that stigma about mental health if in as I sit here with a, with a pulled calf muscle you know your muscles, your ligaments can get damaged, your, you, you know you can have a heart disease, you can get illnesses and we can talk about them, but we don't talk about the mind being ill. There is still that stigma about it. And until we we get over that, um, I, I think we, we're, we're going to struggle. But if there does need to be that confidentiality that they talk about, it, it needs to at least include one member of the support circle. Somebody has to know, somebody has to be included by the treating teams.
1: I know you, you, you never want to get into Deirdre's diagnosis or that, but I think it would be good for people to understand, I suppose, your knowledge. Is it your understanding that the medical team ever thought that she was a threat to the children? Or is it that, and and you weren't told that, or was it that they never spotted that she might be a danger to the children?
0: I'm I'm not going into, I mean, Dee's medical record is, is of, uh, it's, it's, I suppose it's hers and hers alone and what she shares with me and the rest of the family now. But I, I what came out at the trial was her diagnosis before the children died and her diagnosis after the children died are, are completely different. As I said here, I don't know when that changed. Maybe the initial diagnosis was incorrect and the diagnosis after should have been the correct diagnosis all along. Certainly at Christmas 2019, we as a family thought we had a vastly improved D within the family and that she was on the road to recovery so I I need help understanding why that wasn't happening as, as she'd been in the help and in, in the care of the professional services and then to find literally 20 odd days after the children had died that the diagnosis is uh, was completely different to uh, what I was aware of is, is troubling to say the least.
1: And then I want to move on to what I suppose is is probably the hardest but your favorite topic at the same time, which is Connor, Dara and Carla. And the response I suppose you've had to the launch of the three initiatives in their memory, which I know was kind of a, a semi-launch last week. You have bigger plans down the line. Soft launch. A soft launch. That's a, that's what they call it in the business. If you've got the you've got the PR terms already. I suppose people are aware now of some of the plans that you have to to um, to give them life. I think was the way that you 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 put it yourself. Um, tell us, I suppose, a little bit about how that has advanced over the last few days since the trial and since the whole country became aware of their story.
0: People tell me that I vis- visibly lift when I start talking about these projects. So they are what gets me out of bed in the morning. They are what helps me put one foot in front of the other. They're based on a, a number of promises that I made to the children. Um, it all started, I suppose, uh, even uh, on the Friday night, the night they died. I was uh, standing outside the house. Um you're, you're looking at the house and it's, you know, uh, you can see the the reflection of the, the lights from the guard cars and the fire engines and everything, you know, lighting the house up in blue and you're just in a state of shock. But you get thinking about the last time you, you, you spoke to them, the last time you, you held them, the last time you kissed them. And for me, for some reason, I thought about the last promises that I'd sort of made to, to them that I, I hadn't got round to keeping. Um, Connor Conor wanted a, a YouTube channel, I remember. So I've set up Connor's clips on YouTube. What I have is just clips of the kids and, and the funny ones and uh, off them there. And we support that then on social media. Uh, so that's up and running. And, and, and as I say, the engagement through that has been fantastic. And it gives me a bit of a lift if I, if I feel a bit down and I'm struggling. I'll uh, I'll find a, a funny photograph or a funny clip and I'll I'll post it and it just it gives me a lift that I'm I'm keeping that uh, going in his name.
1: I've no doubt, Andrew, that you, you will achieve that, and I think the whole country has been in awe of how you've handled yourself over the last few days, um, in in the various pieces you've done and in telling the stories and remembering the children and and fighting for for justice, So We wish you well with that in the weeks and i'm afraid to say it but knowing the political system as i did as political editor the months and possibly even years ahead because that's how slowly it can move sometimes if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this podcast help is available the samaritans are on free phone 116 123 you are listening to in focus the current affairs podcast from independent.ie produced by mary carroll and sound designed by dara kelly You can listen, follow and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more on this and other stories, visit independent.ie.